Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Well, good morning. Uh, I want to first um, tell Kevin, great job. Kevin, um, Kevin did a fantastic job and always does when he leads, but he gets a little nervous. It's not his favorite thing in the world to do, but you know what? He does it anyway. And that is the nature of a true disciple is even when they're unsure, even when they're nervous, even when it's not the most comfortable thing in the world for them, you know what they still do? They still get up and serve. And Kevin, I appreciate your example this morning and your willingness to lead. Uh, take your Bibles, if you will, and open them. We'll let's see. We're going to be in 1 Peter 5 to start with this morning. We'll get there here in just a few moments. I, I saw a thing on Facebook the other day, and it was of a chicken rolling its eyes, and it said, how I feel when my preacher says, and my first point this morning is, after he's been preaching for 30 minutes already. And, and I kind of feel that way this morning, because I got a lot I want to say and a lot I want to share before I actually get into my actual notes per se, but I will start with this. I am excited this morning. I'm excited this morning because anytime as a church that we come to a time and come to a place where we prepare to add new leaders to our eldership is an exciting time. It's an exciting day. There are um, so many great things that I believe that God has in store for us as a church as we move ahead and move forward in this journey together. And I believe that this is the first step in that journey. This is the first, uh, the first place we need to kind of stop and, and evaluate and get things situated. This is, you know, the, the turning of a page for us into a new chapter as a church. And, and it's an interesting one because uh, more than likely, more than likely, the, the new, hopefully, the new group of elders, if you will, Danny will outnumber the old group of elders. And many times, many times when you have new elders that are installed, you, you usually have a group of men that, that have been in that position for a while and you're adding maybe one or two new guys into the mix. And, and, and you, th th very rarely do you have a situation where the new elders outnumbered the old. And I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing anyway. I'm just saying it's a unique thing. It's a unique moment for us as a church, and, and I'm excited about what possibilities can come from this moment. Now, I want to say a couple of things uh, as we think about the, the idea of, of making suggestions to, to Danny and Ricky. My first suggestion would be this. If you're going to make a recommendation to Danny this morning, I'm sure he would appreciate this if you would write it down instead of 50 people running up and giving him 50 names this morning. So, so write those names down and hand to him. The second thing I want to recommend is this. Before you, before you give the elders any thoughts on who you would like to see as our next leaders, spend time in prayer with those names first. Spend time in prayers with those names first. It's so important that everything we do, especially in a, a, a time like this, that we bathe everything in prayer. That the men that we 
uh, that we recommend the men that are selected, the men that serve, are men who truly, who truly are godly men that are in, in that position because they are qualified and because they are capable of doing the job of an elder. Not just because it's someone that you would love to see in there, not just because, well, it's about time so-and-so gets to do this, but it's because they are qualified and capable of serving as an elder. So before you make any recommendations or share any names with, uh, with Danny and Ricky, I encourage you to bathe those thoughts and names in prayer. Secondly, there are going to be some men in the next coming weeks, Lord willing, that, that accept the, the position uh, of being an elder. And, and you may be sitting here in this room and you may be thinking, you know, I may be qualified, but I'm not ready or I don't know. Maybe God has selected you for a time such as this. Think about that for a moment. That's a very biblical term, isn't it? Maybe you've never had any intention of serving as an elder. Maybe you've never had that great desire to serve as an elder. But maybe it was because it wasn't your time. Maybe it was because God had some more growing that you needed to do. Maybe it was because God had other things for you to accomplish. But maybe today, maybe now, maybe this moment is the moment that God has been preparing you for so that when you are asked, when you are, are approached, God is saying, this is your time. And I want to encourage you to not push back against God. I've got a saying, and when we went through a, a situation in Hoxie, my first full-time preaching job, we had a time where, um, where uh, we had been there for six, seven weeks, maybe six, seven months, something like that. It was six or seven of something. And one Sunday while we were on vacation, all the elders and all the deacons resigned. All of them just quit. Now, there was, some, there, there was some reasoning behind it. I'm not going to get into that particular part of the story. But anyway, when I come back home from vacation the first Sunday back, I am the leader of the church. You know, I mean, not the, I'm not the, you know, the grand poompa, but I'm the only guy that was really left that hadn't resigned other than the youth director. And he comes into my office Sunday night after church, and he goes, I think with everything going on, maybe I just need to resign too. And I, and I, I will admit it, I lost it in that moment. And I, I slammed my stuff down on my desk. I go, well, that's just great, Dave. I said, because after you, the only person left to quit is me. And he goes, just forget I said anything. Just forget I said anything. So we get this group of men finally together that are going to serve as the new elders. And I sit them down in a room and I'm talking to them uh, as they are kind of contemplating their decision. And I go, if you say no, you're not saying no to me. You're saying no to God. And if you're okay with that, then that's fine. And, and they all took that to heart. And I give you guys that same challenge. If you are approached and asked to serve in this capacity, realize that you're not saying no to the elders. Maybe you're saying no to God in a time where He really needs you to step up and do something you maybe had never thought about. 
but that if he's going to be there with you, if God's going to open up that door for you, then know this, you can walk through it and you can be successful. So I ask everybody to be praying for the men that will be selected, that you will begin to pray that the Holy Spirit will convict their hearts, it will soften their hearts, and will give them a willingness to serve, even if they've never thought about serving in this capacity. Because it is a very challenging position. It is a challenging um, job, if you will, to oversee a flock of God's family. Now, all that being said, I want to take some time this week and next week, today, tonight, and next Sunday morning to talk a little bit. I don't want to do a lot of preaching. I just want to do some talking. I just want to share with you some thoughts on um, elders within the church, a, a biblical perspective. And, and, I, and I told uh, Danny before church, I said, after I get through with this series, please don't fire me. Um, because it, it's challenging sometimes to talk about elderships with your elders in the room because you don't want to come across as you're trying to nitpick or say what they're doing is wrong. And that is not my goal at all, ever. Never would that be my goal. My goal is to simply show you a biblical picture of what elders jobs are, what their role is as a shepherd, as an elder, and then tonight in particular we'll talk about, you know, what kind of man needs, does he need to be to be even considered as an elder, and you'll see that on our live stream tonight, um, and, and so, to, but this morning and next Sunday we're going to talk about the role of an elder, but before we get into that, let's go to God in prayer. God, I thank you for our time this morning. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to just open up uh, your word, to open up, um, to open up this new chapter, to give us an opportunity to make some steps to move forward, to grow, to to make some decisions, God, that are going to be they're going to be they're, they're huge decisions as we think about our future, and, and so I pray for Danny and Ricky as, as they go through the process of, of praying and, and thinking about the men that they will put before us to add as elders in this church. God, I pray for those men that you know who they're going to be. I, I pray now for those men in their hearts that you will soften them, that you will encourage them, that you will convict them, that maybe this is their time to step up and to serve you in an important and in a powerful way, God. Be with us as we go through this study May it be uplifting. May it be encouraging. May we have a better understanding of biblical leadership when we get finished than we do at this moment. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so over the next two Sundays, we're going to talk about, the, the Sunday mornings anyway, we're going to talk about the words in Scripture that we use to define or to describe our elders. And, and today's word, the first word we're going to look at, we'll look at one today and two next Sunday. We're going to talk about the word shepherd. We're going to talk about the word shepherd. Now, if we go to our next slide, you'll see uh, a couple of quick definitions here. No, did I not send you my slides? You're kidding. All right, we all just take real good notes, okay? I was sitting thinking last night, did I send those? And I thought, yeah, I did. But apparently I didn't. Okay. Well, I've got some really good slides that look like that right there that um, you're never going to see. But that's okay. All right. So let's talk about this term shepherd. When, when you look in 
uh, when you look in the Greek, you, you get this particular word, and I can't remember it because it's not on the screen right now, but we use that word and translate it two different ways. We tra- Actually, yeah, two different ways. We translate it as shepherd in the New Testament, and we translate it as pastor in the New Testament. But, but every time that word is used, every time that word is used, it is referring to the spiritual leaders, the elders of the church. And, and there are a couple more, and we're going to talk about those next week. But as we think about this idea and this term, shepherd, and you think about the definition of that term, it, it lays out and it gives us three ideas of what an elder should be. And within the Greek definition, which you do not have and I do not remember without my slides, these three words very much play off of those particular words. But it's the fact that elders or shepherds are to be providers, they are to be protectors, and they are to be personable. You following me here? Providers, protectors, and personable. I made them all P's so that hopefully you would remember them a little bit better. So let's go to our first text this morning, 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1. If you're not there already. The first idea this morning is that our a shepherd is a man that is going to be a provider or he provides for his flock. For, Peter is an apostle, but Peter also serves as an elder. So when he begins to talk about elders and talking to elders, he comes from a very interesting perspective because he comes from someone from the authority of an apostle, which outside of Christ, there was no greater authority and still is no greater authority other than Christ than the authority of the apostles, which is why their letters are so important to us. Uh, And so he speaks from that authority, but he also speaks from the experience of an elder. And he doesn't doesn't use the authority of an elder to, to, to command things of other churches or other people. He uses that authority as, as, an, L, or as, a, as, a, as an apostle. But in chapter 5 of 1 Peter, he begins to talk from the experience of an elder. And, and this is what he says. He says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Watch over them not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade. So I love I love hearing Peter's words here. You know, Peter... Peter made a huge mistake. Peter makes a huge mistake. Peter has an opportunity three different times to pronounce his faith in Jesus and his knowledge of Jesus. But every time that that happens prior to Jesus' death, what does he say? He goes, I don't know the guy. I don't know the guy you're talking about. And and part of his repentance process, part of his coming back and, and being, I guess, reinstated into a positive relationship with Jesus. Jesus and Peter have this personal one-on-one conversation in John chapter 21. And in John chapter 21, he kind of pulls Peter off to the side 
and he, and he asked him some questions. You know what that question is that he asked him over and over? He goes, Peter, do you love me? And he goes, well, yeah, Jesus, I love you. He goes, then go feed my sheep. Go be a shepherd. And he asked him again, he goes, Peter, do you love me? And he goes, yes, I love you. He goes, okay, then go feed my sheep. And then the third time he asked him, and Peter gets kind of frustrated. And it's like, Would you, I've answered you twice, Jesus. Don't, can you not hear me? You know, yes, I love you. He goes, then go feed my sheep. And he takes that conversation, at least I like to think, he takes that conversation of being a shepherd so serious that now he's instructing other shepherds and says, look, it is important for you to provide for your flock. As we read from chapter 23 of the book of Psalms, shepherds provide. So how do shepherds provide? Well, the first thing we see is a shepherd feeds. A shepherd feeds. Each elder must feed the flock. That is what Christ told Peter to do. Each, each elder must be a teacher of the Word. And we're going to talk a little bit tonight. We're not going to get into a lot of depth about that this morning. We're going to talk a little bit more tonight, though, about what that looks like. Um, but he must be able to teach. He must be able to defend the Word of God. The elders have a responsibility to feed the flock the Word in a variety of different ways, to teach us God's message. And that means that they have to be grounded in the Word themselves, that they have to know the Word of God and be able to teach those things in an effective way. But not only are they to feed the church, they are to also care for the flock. It's not just a physical thing, but it's a spiritual thing. Go with me to James chapter 5. and We're going to do some, some flipping back and forth to a handful of verses this morning, maybe more than we normally do. But James chapter 5, this is such an important passage to me. It, it means a lot to me, and, and some other time I will uh, share with you why, uh, but not necessarily today. James chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith, will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up, and if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. That's a very powerful verse to me because it tells me that from a spiritual perspective, the prayers of our elders are powerful. They mean something. Uh, he's going to go on and say later in this chapter, and it's a verse that we're all very familiar with, the prayer of a what kind of man? A righteous man is powerful and effective. And that is what our elders should be. They should be righteous men, which is why I believe James says that in these moments when you're struggling in a physical way even, you need to call your elders and you need to invite them in and you need to allow them to pray over you and anoint you and, and live this type of spiritual um, healing life through prayer from your elders. It's important for our, for our elders to care about the physical and spiritual well-being of our flock. Let's keep on looking. Let's go to another passage, Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. I love hearing the pages of your Bibles turn this morning. Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin... You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourself, or you also will be tempted. Carry each other's burden, 
And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. I love this verse for a lot of different reasons. One of my favorite is verse 2 where he says, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. You know, we we like to think that sometimes the, the truth is limited to or making sure we get the acts of worship right. That those are the most important things about the law of Christ. But he tells us here, he says, you fulfill the law of Christ by doing what? Worshiping at church in a building? No, I'm not saying that's not important. I'm saying that's not what he's saying here. He said, you fulfill the law of Christ by doing what with each other? Carrying each other's burdens. And as elders, that is an even greater calling for you. He says here that there's going to be some times as as a church family that we have to restore someone caught in sin. And it is our leaders, it is our shepherds who should lead that charge to make sure that they are restored. But there's also that challenge of, you know, you have to carry the burdens of your flock. You have to carry the burdens of your flock. There was a moment in my life that greatly changed everything that I knew about my life. There, there, was, a, there was a defining moment in my family when something happened that totally changed the dynamic of my family for, for the rest of my life. And it was a very challenging time. It was a very challenging couple of days. And at the, at the time, I was, I was still going to church in Savannah where I grew up. And, and I was still at home. And, and as these things were happening and unfolding, one of the elders from that church, Don Doran, came to my house and sat with me and my family for 48 straight hours. He never left. He never went home. He stayed and he sat on the couch in our living room for 48 straight hours as we dealt with the 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 overwhelming emotions of the things that had just happened that is an that is an example that is a moment in my life that I will never forget because in that moment in that moment where there were probably a lot of things that he could have been doing. He had a very important job in town. He had a family at home. He had a lot of other responsibilities, but because he was the shepherd of our flock, he put all those other things aside. And in that moment, for those two days, he sat and cried when we cried. He laughed when we laughed. He listened when we talked. He carried our burdens. And I think of all the jobs that elders have, helping carry the burdens of their church family might be the most important. Because if you don't love your church family and care for your church family in those ways, the doctrine, it's not going to matter to them. It's not, doctrine doesn't matter to people. I'm not saying it's not important. Follow me. Doctrine doesn't matter to people if it is not backed with love. If it's not backed with love, doctrine doesn't matter to people anymore. But if we have a group of men that above everything else show that they love us and they care for us and they're going to carry our burdens, then that will open up so many doors to teach the truth to so many different people. A shepherd is someone who cares for their flock. Let's keep going. I could stay on that one all day long, but we've got to keep going. The second thing here is a shepherd is a protector. 
a shepherd is a protector. Let's go back to the 23rd Psalm, a Psalm that uh, if, if you've, you know, born and raised in church, you've been saying this since you were, um, I mean, you say mama, daddy, and then you say the 23rd Psalm, right? And that's great and that's good. But, but let's read it again together. The Lord is my shepherd. This is the NIV. I like nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Another thing that we see about a shepherd is that a shepherd is someone who protects his flock. A shepherd is someone who protects his flock. If you look in John chapter 10, in John chapter 10, Jesus is describing himself as the good shepherd and, and describing what that means. And the first thing he says is that a shepherd is willing to lay his life down for someone or for his flock in particular. And you see, a shepherd is a, shepherd is a very important person. A shepherd is a lot of times a shepherd would not be someone who necessarily owned the sheep, but he's hired to take care, to raise, to, to foster those sheep, if you will. So, and so they had a very important role, and they had a very important relationship with, with their flock. They probably knew the flock a lot more than the owner did even sometime, and you wanted, you wanted a shepherd who above anything else would even lay his life down to protect the sheep, to protect the family, to protect the flock. And as elders, as shepherds, you have to have that type of mentality that you will be willing to stand up and stand in between the members of your congregation and any challenge or danger that comes their way. It's not the idea of it's not the idea of a hunter who goes out and looks for problems and looks for situations to, to, to kind of shoot people down. And that's not what he's saying here. He, he's saying that you need to be the type of person that is alert, that is aware of what is going on, and is capable of dealing with those moments and, and, and protecting your flock in times of challenge. But also realize that if you're not careful, that danger can come from within the flock as well. And Paul talks about that. Paul addresses that in his letters, that you have to make sure that even no one from within becomes the person that causes those problems. And in those moments, be ready and willing to protect. Protect is a very challenging thing, though. That is the thing that is, is probably the most difficult part of being a shepherd, I would, I, would, I would say from my opinion, from my view, looking into that position, because in those moments where you have to protect, in those moments where you have to take a stand and say, we are not going to allow this, we are not going to allow this person to act this way or have this type of influence over our church, you know what happens in those moments? You end up hurting people. People's feelings get hurt. I don't know about you, but I never want to be a person who my job is to just hurt people's feelings. You know, I don't want to be known for that. But sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's difficult to be that protector because you know that somebody's feelings may get hurt. And you have to still make those decisions and have those conversations. But you have to be a protector. And then the last thing 
And then the lesson will be yours this morning is a shepherd is personal. A shepherd is personal. How is a shepherd going to, how are they going to provide if they don't know their flock? How are they going to protect if they don't know their flock? You know, one of the things, one of the most challenging things, one of the most challenging things for, for a small group of men is to know a large group of people. Now, when you're in a small town in a church like this where you've known each other, you know, the majority of you have known each other your whole lives, you work with each other, you, there, is a, there is a sense of intimacy in a small community that you don't get in a lot of other places. It's easier to know what's going on and, and what's happening. But it is so vital and so important for elders to know, to just have good relationships with their flock. I was when I was in McMinnville, we uh myself, the minister, and the elders, um, towards the end of my time there, the elders wanted to start doing uh visits. They divided the congregation up into groups, and each elder uh they they were they paired off into twos, except two of them, one of them got me and one of them got the preacher. And we would go out and we would go make visits. And so we would call the day before and say, hey, this is you know Matthew uh, we're, we're going to come out and visit, you know, myself and one of the elders. You know what I heard more than anything? Have I done something wrong? People, when their elders wanted to just come and sit and talk, their first thought was they're coming and talking to me. Why? Because have I done something wrong? You see, that shouldn't be the feeling. That shouldn't be the thought when you get a call and one of your elders wants to come and visit with you. That should be a moment that you say, oh, wow, you know, I, I'm appreciative that this guy wants to be my friend, that he wants to know me, that he wants to have a relationship with me because there will come a time in your life where you're going to need your Don Doran, where you're going to need your elder, your shepherd to be there for you. And the stronger that personal relationship is, the greater the, the providing and protecting can be. So a shepherd... As, as we go through these thoughts today and, and tonight and next Sunday, I can't help but think that some men may sit and think about these things and go, I, I can't be that way. I'm not that way. I can't do that. That, that. That's As we continue with our thoughts over the next few times together, I want to encourage you and say, no elder is perfect. No elder is always going to be the greatest shepherd. Some have the personality where they excel in the different roles better than others. And that's why we're going to spend some time next Sunday as well talking about some other words that are used to describe elders and what that means. So, so don't let the role or the responsibility overwhelm you as you think about your future and, and possible service in this church, but understand that there is a certain way that you have to lead. There is a certain way, a certain lifestyle, a certain way of leadership that you need to try to, to grow into. And that is a godly leadership position and one that expects you to be a shepherd of this flock. Let's close our thoughts with a word of prayer and then the, the lesson will be yours. God, I thank you so much for this time 
I, I just thank you for this description of an elder this morning, that the idea of a shepherd God, of a, of a man that will guide and direct and protect and provide God and be personable with us in our life. I pray for I pray for men to lead us that will show this type of, of personality. And, and I pray that you begin to work in the hearts of these men and, and help them understand what it means to be a shepherd in your kingdom. Help them understand and wrap their mind around that, God. I, I pray that uh, I know, as we've said, you, you know who these men are going to be. We don't yet, but you do. And I just pray for men that are going to be true shepherds in the nature of, of your son, the good shepherd God. Help us to be patient in this time. Help us to be understanding. Uh, help us to be prayerful above all other things, God, in this time. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Today's lesson has really been more about just, just sharing a biblical perspective of this position but I don't want to leave without giving you the opportunity to make things right in your life. You know, we, we live in times of uncertainty, and in times of uncertainty, we tend to do a lot more thinking about our life. And maybe that's what you've done. Maybe you've had a chance to think about things and to evaluate things, and you need to just make a change. Maybe you need to just simply redirect and do things differently. Maybe today is the day that you put Christ on in baptism. Jesus very simply says, if you believe in me and you are baptized, you will be saved. There's not a secret handshake. There's not a secret um, quote that you have to say. There's not all these different things. Jesus says, not Matthew, not anybody else. Jesus says, if you believe in me and you are baptized, you will be saved. We want everyone in this room to hear those words, to believe those words, and to act on those words so that you can come into a salvation relationship with Jesus today. If that's what you need to do, we give you that opportunity now as we stand and as we sing. There is a God. There is a God. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 10.30 a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.